This is the Yahoo Finance Sportsbook Podcast. Okay, welcome back to Sportsbook. We have done a lot of talking recently about boxing. We've talked about football. Of course, we've talked about golf with our golf geek, Miles Udland, all summer. Now, a nice way to bring it all together is to go back into the virtual. I'm talking about esports. Of course, we've heard so much in the last few years about the rise of esports. Supposedly, this is rapidly approaching a billion dollars in size, this esports industry. Depends whom you ask. We've seen a lot of pro teams getting into it, acquiring esports teams. A lot of corporate sponsors rave about their esports sponsorships. Just six months ago in July on the program, we had our friend esports journalist Imad Khan giving us a little Fortnite 101. For the end of the year now, we wanted to bring him back in and let's see how big of a year 2018 was for the esports industry. Imad Khan, hey, how are you? Hey, what's going on, Dan? Thanks for joining us. Thanks for coming back. Let's start with Fortnite. Uh, You know, it is so much in the news in so many different ways. Like, just this week on one of our live programs, we talked about how Carlton from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Alfonso Ribeiro, is suing Epic Games, the owner of the game, for using his Carlton dance. And he's not the only celebrity to be suing the game, also this rapper 2 Millie, uh, because the dances are such a huge part of it. And I have to say, as someone who hasn't played Fortnite, but obviously I know about it, I've read about it, I've learned more about it thanks to you, but culturally, it's become so significant. Like, at every single sports event, when they you know cut to the camera and they show fans during timeouts, all the fans are doing Fortnite dances. It's just incredible. Uh, how big of a year was this for the growth of Fortnite? And then what I'm wondering, obviously it's a trend, and all trends eventually go away. So uh, how much longer can this kind of Fortnite mania last? That's a good question. You know, it's, uh, it's definitely been a tremendous year for Fortnite. Probably... Uh, we've seen nothing like it ever. The way the game kind of just like jumped onto the scene, you know, it was already kind of like a game before, but then it added this like free battle royale mode, uh, copying another game called PUBG. Um, and then, you know, it's cartoony nature plus it's Minecrafty style of like building just completely took over. Um, I think elementary schools, like kids just loved it so much. And then they added these dances, and it was just, they had this really good communication with the community, and they were constantly adding these dances, which the kids continued to love. Um, and then it just, like, started to take over Twitch and YouTube. It, it, it's, and then now, then, like, celebrities started playing it. A lot of athletes started playing it. I just, it, it completely permeated every part of, like, entertainment and pop and sports culture uh, in a way that I had just completely never seen. Yeah, you know, we hear a lot, of course, about Ninja, uh, the Fortnite player. Uh, tell me a little bit more about his level of celebrity. It's hard for me to really understand and grasp fully just how big he is, how big he could become. Uh, you know, you now hear him mentioned in places that are certainly not uh, small kind of video game places. Like, I would say everyone kind of is vaguely aware that there's this guy, Ninja, and he's an esports player. Um, I think you mentioned to me uh, offline that you are headed to a, a ninja event soon. So tell me about kind of his stature and, and what's the event you're going to. Uh, yeah, you know, I think the best way to describe it, and I think I gotta give credit to my Washington Post editor who kind of told me that, you know, he believes that ninja is probably the most valuable and/or marketable athlete in the, on the planet right now. Um, that's because his appeal is so young, it is so broad. Um, 
he t- he can touch pretty much just like uh, he can pretty much be thrown into almost any situation and you know bring in so many eyeballs. Uh, so Ninja, if you don't know, or if you, is a is a Twitch streamer who streams himself playing Fortnite. He was a former professional Halo player, but because and he was able to translate his skills from the competitive gaming end to the Fortnite end, and he became like one of the top players, which obviously made him very popular. And then of course you know it just kind of like snowballed from there. Um, and what was the second part of your question? Well, uh, tell us about the event you're going to. You're uh, going yeah, to like a sure. Fortnite thing in, in Manhattan? Yeah, yeah. So for New Year's Eve uh, in Times Square, Ninja is going to be there. He's going to be streaming. There are going to be celebrities, everyone like tuning in. He's going to be doing this like 12-hour stream. It's partnered with the sponsor Red Bull. Uh, and, you know, it's just kind of like this thing that the idea of a video game streamer, you know, uh, being there for you know with CNN and all these other big celebrities on New Year's Eve in Times Square doing his thing is actually kind of like a weirdly big deal and they do feel sorry for you know all the parents that are going to be dragged through the snow by their children to go see Ninja play a video game <laughs> right it, you know sometimes with certain niche sports you know I, I know people who are huge wrestling fans or another example is UFC what you hear a lot is, oh, to those who don't understand it, you just have to see it to get it. And if you just go to one of the events, boy, you'll get it. But I'm not sure I've heard people say that to me about eSports. Is that how you feel? Like, one stat to me that's so wild is that eSports tournaments have sold out Madison Square Garden. And that's just nuts to me. And obviously, you're looking up at the Jumbotron, and they're showing the guys playing. But um, what's sort of the excitement level there? You've gone to these events. Bring me to one of those events or, or bring our, our audience there. What is it like to be there? Uh, yeah, so, you know, not only has it sold out MSG, it sold out Tyrion in Seattle, it sold out Bird's Nest in Beijing, it sold out last month uh, the stadium in Incheon, South Korea. Um, so it's just like the, it's selling out, it's selling out so many massive, massive venues. And when it's, when it, when you're there, it's kind of intoxicating. And I, I hear this so many times from other reporters that are there that uh, aren't in the esports space, because when they see, when they see the, or when they listen to the crowd, go nuts and, you know, kind of build up in tandem to like a crazy play that's happening on these giant monitors, you can't, they can't help but look up at the screen and look at all, everyone around them and try to comprehend what's going on so they can kind of be in on the action as well. Um, and, you know, I think that's kind of what it is. It's just this weird thrill that you get from being around so many people that are all watching the same thing and are all seeing... And you're all you're listening to their hearts rise all at the same time. Uh, let's transition a, a little bit specifically to something that is at least more known to me than the other games we talk about when we talk about esports, and that is Smash Brothers. You know, I have mm. fond memories uh, growing up playing Smash Brothers originally on N64, and then um, Melee on GameCube, which we played a lot in college uh, when I was in college in uh, 2008, 2009. Now, of course, the Nintendo world has advanced, and they have all kinds of new systems that I haven't tried, although I have a friend who raves about Switch. Uh, you wrote a, a good story way back in December 2017, so that was a year ago, um, about Super Smash... Oh, no, it was this year. Oh, this story is from this year. This is great. So this is a story uh, from you, Ahmad, at, at the Washington Post about Super Smash Brothers, uh, specifically sort of how anticipated the launch was, and uh, it is Amazon's best-selling game of 2018, but it hasn't really succeeded in all the ways that you expected. Is that a, a fair summary? Tell us about that. Tell us about sort of the scene in 2018 for playing Smash Brothers uh, competitively in an esports sense. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, when it comes to uh, when it comes to a, an esport, whenever a new game comes out, the old game is essentially obsolete, right? <laughs> Street Fighter Five, regardless of how much players maybe bemoan it, um, is the new game. Every all the players move over over to it and stop playing Street Fighter Four. That hasn't been the case with Super Smash Brothers, where there's been a divide between the melee community, which is a game released in 2001. Um, and then the community that like went on to the next games, right? Um, so the idea is like, you know, will Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, which is really becoming kind of like a phenomenon that not even I predicted and how much viewership it's pulling in on Twitch and pretty much just how much buzz it's getting on Twitter, would it be good, b- uh, big enough and, well, let's say, competitive enough or thrilling enough to bring in this hardcore me- uh, melee audience, which has higher viewership than the other smash games it's really bizarre in a lot of in a lot of ways when compared to other games um and you know i think ultimately like no pun intended smash Bros. ultimate is a very good game it is a lot more competitive um and a lot faster than its previous iteration um the only thing i was kind of worried about from you know the this uh, community perspective I don't feel that at the moment the melee community, the hardcore melee community that uh, loves their game would be switching over. And it really comes down to still this uh, inability for Nintendo to create a game with the same movement and fluidity that uh, that melee had. I mean, it's it's kind of hard to explain on audio, but in melee, you know, you could move so fast. You could, you know, your character can slide around on screen with such uh, fluidity and it was just such a precise game that watching it was just kind of like a visual frenzy because you you had never seen two players moving at such speed uh, and going just pure offense at all times. Um, it's I, I don't even know. I, it's like, you, you know, if you attach like rocket boots to like MMA fighters, right? They're literally just jumping all over the place. Um, it really is uh, so thrilling to watch. Um, so I'm going to be I'm going to continue watching uh, the ultimate scene. I'm going to see how it develops. I'm going to see if Nintendo go, is going to ink any TV deals or even sponsor its own tournament circuit, which the Japanese company has been very hesitant to do, just because uh, they have very interesting ideas of what competitive gaming should be. You know, it is a, a company that's over 100 years old now, so um, I think they're kind of they're they're they're, they're a lot slower to adapt. In a lot of ways. Yeah, and, and actually, I'm not surprised by that. In fact, if anything, I'm surprised that in an era of esports, uh, an old school, if it's fair to call it that, video game brand like Nintendo, which we think of, you know, we, we think of Nintendo, I think it's still fair to say you think of physical consoles um, and, you know, kind of that kind of handheld gaming, uh, not mobile phone games, although I know they either had their first come out recently or are working on that. Um, but I, I was just going to say, I've been surprised by how well Nintendo has continued to do. I mean, the stock is down a little bit. It's down um, something like 20% in 2018. But they've had some highs this year and, and been praised, obviously, for Switch. I mean, I know you, you cover video games even not just when it's eSports. If we zoom out a little bit, I mean, what is kind of the outlook for Nintendo and, and where does it sit to you in terms of the leaders in the industry? Has it you know, done well, not done very well? Has it disappointed? Um, you know, have have other companies kind of outplayed Nintendo lately? Like, there's Activision Blizzard. Yeah, you know, it's it's uh, Nintendo kind of like does its own thing and has done its own thing for so long. It's sometimes a little hard to compare. Um, you know, when compared to Activision Blizzard, you know, they have a completely different business model, different fan base, um, yeah. and you know, they're very they're. I would say, in a weird way, like Activision Blizzard is largely very attuned to you know what its players want and delivering on that mostly although this year uh there was that whole kerfuffle over uh 
Diablo Mobile, which the fans were not happy with. Um, so I don't know. It's it's a little it's a little hard to compare. But you know, um, and I, I I will say on the esports end, like you know, Activision Blizzard is jumping hardcore into the Overwatch League. I don't know if it's okay right. for us to transition to there. No, that's um, great. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, so the Overwatch League has its inaugural. Uh, season this year, and it, um, if you don't know, this essentially they created a video game league kind of modeled after the NFL, where they brought in, you know, actual team owners, like, you know, the Cronkies own a team, the Craft Group owns a team, um, and there are a bunch of other investors that own teams, I think, um, and, you know, each one of these teams, they, they, they paid $20 million to buy into an esports league. Um, so everyone was kind of paying attention to the inaugural year of the Overwatch League. And, you know, I, I got to say, it had a really solid year. Um, you know, the events were pretty hype. Uh, the, the event at Barclays, the grand finals, you know, it, earlier this year uh, was well-produced, really good stuff. And, you know, for its season two, they expanded uh, and added, I think, I believe, six more teams. And rumor is that each one of these teams, um, which includes, you know, Vancouver, uh, Guangzhou, Paris, paid over $35 million for a spot. Wow. Yeah, and, you know, I just, uh, it's, and again, they just continue pulling in more, uh, you know, these, like, traditional sports dollars. And I think that's what Activision Blizzard is doing really well. They're bringing a level of, like, traditional legitimacy uh, to esports. And that has a lot to do with Bobby Kotick, the CEO of Activision, playing golf with his, you know, buddies who happen to be sports owners, right? And just kind of, right. like, bringing them in. Um, you know, it, I, I, would it be, is it going to be good for esports? I mean, I I think so. Uh, we'll we'll see. I do think that some of these prices are kind of too insane for the industry at the moment. Uh, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how how it continues to develop. Yeah, the valuations of some of these esports teams are always kind of eye popping and hard for me to believe. Um, yeah. You know, as we've talked about a lot, and I think people who occasionally have to talk about or write about esports but don't necessarily like are not experts in it, uh, I think they often forget that. Esports as a as a thing that happens, you know, there are esports for all kinds of different video games. It's not just about Fortnite. It's not just about Overwatch League or LOL League of Legends. As you've explained to me, you can play Madden competitively. That's esports. Uh, so sticking with that, let me ask you. I mean, when we're talking, uh, you know, you you did a little bit of Fortnite 101 for us way back in July. Um, if you if we make you do some esports 101, I mean. Are there types of games that lend themselves to esports better, though, that are more exciting for newbies to watch, do you think? I mean, I guess each person's different. Like, when I played video games, I preferred sports games. I loved FIFA, you know, NBA, 2K5, whatever the 2K whatever year it is. Um, and then, you know, I also enjoyed um, the EA hockey game, uh, playing that. NHL. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, um, but I was never as good at shooter games like Halo. I used to play Time Splitters, but I was just bad at it. But do you think, you know, the video games that a person likes to play in their own free time, that's what translates to what you would enjoy watching others compete in or not necessarily? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I think uh, viewability in esports has always kind of been an issue, and I think it kind of depends from person to person, right? Like, definitely the most popular esport in the world continues to be League of Legends, a massive online battle arena. Now, if you... If, if I stick you in front of a t uh, TV and tell you to watch, like, you know, the NALCS finals or whatever, you're probably going to be 
really confused as to what's going on. Um, it really is not accessible. You need to know how the game works to really enjoy it. Um, but if I were to put you in front of, you know, the NBA 2K League, you know, you've played NBA 2K, you watch basketball, you kind of know how that works. You would uh, find that more enjoyable. The problem is, I guess, there is that, you know, some of these traditional sports games that are also esports uh, are not pulling in the number of viewers that League of Legends or Fortnite or Overwatch League uh, are pulling in. So, you know, it's kind of like, um, you know, I kind of, I, I created, you know, all these like different esports, like traditional sports, right? There's, there's going to be football and basketball, which bring in crazy number of future, uh, viewers. And there's also going to be like, you know, snooker, which Whoa. maybe there, I mean, I know there's a scene out there in the world, but you know, how many people are actually tuning in to watch like a snooker tournament? Um, it, it really just kind of depends from, yeah, game to game and community to community. Um, but at the moment, it's just like some of these more difficult to watch games are going to take precedent. Um, I do think that fighting games do uh, pose a good uh proposal for the average viewer because it is just you know two characters on a 2d plane throwing punches and kicks i think anybody can kind of understand what's going on there well and also i mean clearly you know i was mentioning obviously there there is such a thing as esports for just the traditional sports video games we know but clearly those aren't the big draw the big money maker as you said it's league of legends there's fortnite there's smash brothers but um you know leagues for nba 2k or uh, MLS, you know, like we had in a, a player who was in the MLS eSports FIFA World Cup. It was like the, the eSports World Cup for um, FIFA, the video game. Um, right. And, uh, but, but those are, for now, those are a much smaller business, it seems like. Am I right? Uh, yeah, you know, I think NBA 2K League probably had the most robust effort in this um, because, you know, they had a whole franchise model where they brought in the NBA teams. They each had to pay, what, like $750,000 for uh, to be in the league for three years. Um, and, you know, it's like they were averaging about 10,000 viewers a game, which isn't, like, really rem- – it isn't great, right? Uh, now, again, we'll see how they develop it. Um, I, You know, I – I'm of the opinion that the reason people watch esports generally is to see something competitive that couldn't happen in the real world, right? Like, you know, you definitely couldn't play Call of Duty in the real world or else you'd have, like, way too many dead bodies. Um, and I just don't know if NBA 2K League, while it might, it might be fun to watch and definitely is cool for the community, will draw the viewers of, like, more casual audiences when, you know, the NBA is, exists, right? Um, so it it is a business, and you know it's not just NBA. We're talking about NHL as well. We're talking about EMLS. We're talking about FIFA. We're talking about Gran Turismo for racing games. And we're talking about Forza for racing games. Um, it, it, these guys are all you know really putting in good amount of money, making really great productions. But the viewership, you know, is hovering around ten thousand. Um, I just I really don't know the longevity of this and um, how how long it could continue unless they really do something to really differentiate themselves. You know, and if it means adding in, you know, trampolines and crazy bouncy shoes or whatever into NBA 2K or, uh, to make it happen, then it might need to happen. Yeah, 10,000 is pretty small, uh, but I know it's growing fast. Uh, what went on this year in terms of something new that we hadn't seen before? Any kind of innovations in the space? You know, there are tournaments, competitions, but those have been around now a few years. Obviously, the attendance is growing, the, the crowd sizes are getting bigger, but is there anything in the esports world that you saw this year that 
you know, whoa, that's an interesting uh, experiment. That's something new. Huh, that's a good question. I got I to gotta think about that for a second. I do think that definitely the thing that, you know, was the new thing was the Overwatch League and, uh, you know, how it brought a more traditional business model, I guess, to esports. But generally, when it comes to... Uh, when it comes to broadcasts or anything else in areas where they could innovate, it's been very iterative, right? You know, finding better in-player cams or in-game cams to, like, show off the action. Right. Or, you know, I will say one area where esports does really do well are its shoutcasters, right? It's commentators. They're really exciting to watch. They're really exciting to listen to. Uh, I think they're, they bring a, a, a really unique color to commentary that I feel that maybe traditional sports are lacking. And, of course, you know, we, you're listening to, like, how people view esports on Twitch with, like, this Twitch chat on the side. And you're listening to the NBA trying to look at Twitch and this community and how they engage with their player base and wanting to try to emulate that a bit. So I think... I think what's happening right now is you're seeing esports take a little bit from the sports end. You're taking you're seeing sports take a little bit from the esports uh, end, and you know they're just going to continue to iterate off each other. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. And of course, I'm glad you keep mentioning Twitch because just for us at Yahoo Finance, that's one of the things in this world that keeps us interested and is most interesting to us because of Amazon owning it, obviously. Um, and obviously, Twitch has has grown really fast. Uh, let's wrap yeah. up this way. Give us your predictions for 2019. What are we going to see next year that uh, should excite people, especially some people who might be our sportsbook listeners who still are skeptical about esports in general? Hmm. You know, I think in 2019, you're. That's. Oh man. I, I feel like you're going to see the Overwatch League really push hard and trying to court, you know, uh, more audiences, try to ink more TV deals. I. I think while that effort is going to be strong, I don't think it will probably draw in the amount of viewers that they would expect. Yeah. I think League of Legends will continue to be solid. Uh, I think Dota would, is going to continue to be solid. Um, I think Fortnite might start to see a wane in 2019. This is my prediction. I'm pretty sure if it doesn't happen, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get crap on it on Twitter. But I think, like you, you, you mentioned at the beginning of the show, you know, nothing lasts forever. Um, and I think, you know, just as big as PUBG was last year, Fortnite is, you know, bigger this year. You know, could something in 2019 could come out that could just, you know, be the new thing. Um, I think, let's see, I think Super Smash Brothers Ultimate is going to have a really fantastic year in 2019. Uh, we'll see if it can continue that into 2020 and beyond. But I, I, I think that if, if Nintendo plays it right, you know, they could... Uh, ink some good TV deals, get some good viewership, and, you know, hopefully Nintendo puts a million dollars towards the circuit or something to keep the competitive scene alive. Uh, and, you know, I think, let's see, I think ultimately you're just going to see more investors from, from the traditional sports side, right? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if you see, like, Tiger Woods or whatever, you know, dropping in a couple million dollars and investing in, you know, Cloud9 or TSM or any of these other American esports teams. That sounds pretty good. Uh, I love what you're saying about sports, too, or, or sort of how big sports are trying to put investments into esports and latch on, but the viewership still not there. It's just still bigger in that LOL world. By the way, I just think it's so unfortunate that League of Legends, that's the abbreviation. <laughs> but, I mean, the acronym, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just you know, I, I, do think that, I do think another prediction is that already we're seeing China, you know, uh, be such a dominant force in esports. I think they're going to continue 
to just rake in you know these tournaments and rake in more cash because the audience are so big and they're incredibly engaged like they're usurping korea and i do think we're going to finally start to see india uh uh really break in in a more significant way in esports awesome yeah, China's such an interesting story gaming-wise. I had a, a story up at Yahoo Finance within the last month about how Tencent, uh, the Chinese tech giant, has really struggled in 2018. I mean, all the big Chinese tech companies have. Their stocks are all down. But Tencent more than its competitors like Alibaba and JD.com because Tencent is so deeply entrenched in the gaming business and China has frozen approvals of new games. Uh, so that's been a real headwind for Tencent that's not really its fault. But you're right. Yeah, uh, I mean, we're watching gaming Tencent, in China. Tencent also, I believe they also own a part of Epic Games. Yes, they, they do. also own Fortnite. And now was I can't remember was did, did China just ban Fortnite or something? No, they didn't ban Fortnite. But um, games yeah. that have launched that are really popular, companies have not been approved yet to monetize them. So no in-app I purchases, see. things like that. So sucks for Tencent and others. Uh, we will keep watching all of this stuff. And, you know, I think in 2019 I should actually go to an eSports event live instead of just talking about it occasionally on the podcast. So I'm going to try and do that in 2019. Maybe you can take me to one. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Sounds good. Awesome. Okay, that was Imad Khan. He is a freelance video game journalist. He's written for places like ESPN, The Washington Post, and Engadget, our sister site at Yahoo. And he covers video games and eSports, and he covers them well. Thank you, Imad. Thanks, Ed. All right. We'd love to hear what you think. Uh, I believe this might be our last episode of the year. It's been a good year. We are so uh, grateful to our listeners and our subscribers. If you are a subscriber, remember that you can subscribe. You can also rate and review the podcast on any big podcast platform. We hope you will do it, and we hope you'll recommend Sportsbook to your friends. We will be doing it again in 2019 with lots of great guests. So keep listening, and we will keep them coming probably on Thursdays. I'm Dan Roberts. This is Yahoo Finance Sportsbook. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.